To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers Podcast, episode 100. That's right. We have made it to episode 100. We just want to say thank you to all of the supporters, everybody that's left us a kind word, all the subscribers. If you bought merchandise from us, if you've just been rocking with us, we appreciate it so much. We are here to celebrate episode 100, of course, with my co-host, Carlos Burrell. Ramon Hardy and the voice you're hearing right now is Rob Snowden. How y'all fellas feeling, man? Feeling good, man. It's it's a blessing to be here. Episode one zero zero, man. You know the growth of our our system and the growth of our podcast has just been amazing. So glad to be here. Glad to see one hundred. Yeah, man. It feels good to get to that century mark. Uh, we put in a lot of work, but like you said, man. You know all of this. We attribute a lot of this to our supporters, our listeners subscribers all of y'all that's holding it down for us all of y'all that's sharing the podcast we appreciate y'all so much you know we put in the work so that we can put out a product that y'all will want to listen to you know something that y'all can be a part of knowing that you are a part of the ob family so just feels good to get to that century mark man and i'm not gonna hold it any longer bro we can get right into it it's amazing man this stuff has flown by we started this thing believe it or not four years ago guys four years ago We've been podcasting for maybe maybe roughly three years, man. It's been crazy. It's been a it's been a, a heck of a ride, and uh, I've been I've enjoyed this ride and doing it with my brothers. It's been the most you know I guess the most satisfying thing that we built something amongst ourselves because we are truly friends first, and we do this second. So it's just it's just nice. I mean, I never would imagine that it would turn into this, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's in store for us. Uh, so we're not, like I said, I'm not going to get all mushy on you. I'm not going to shed a tear, even though I, I feel my eye ducts filling up a little bit that we're on episode 100. So we're going to get <laughs> we're gonna get into what we are to discuss. We're going to start off with the biggest news of the day. And that's my NFL New Orleans Saints made a significant trade in adding more depth to that running back room in Mark Ingram, who is... I think second all-time Saints runner behind Deuce McAllister. Correct me if I'm wrong, but hey, he a legend, a New Orleans legend. Um, I think that he's he's gonna be a great addition to the New Orleans Saints. And I couldn't wait till I got here tonight to discuss this with y'all and get y'all thoughts on this trade. Yeah, I think it was a good move, man. You know, when Tony Jones went down, you know, you, your backfield was kind of in a weird position. You know, you have Montgomery playing behind Kamara. Kamara getting all the carries. But, you know, with a longer season this year, actually, you know, especially with an, an extra game, you don't want to, you know, wear Kamara down, especially if you're trying to make a playoff run. And adding Mark Ingram was genius, you know, somebody that's familiar with the system. Somebody that has good chemistry with the team and somebody that I think Sean Payton didn't want to let go uh, in the first place. So um, it was good to see him back. Um, it's going to be interesting. I know fantasy football owners probably not as happy for Kamara because he's going to get some of those goal line touchdowns taken away now. So it's going to be fun. Um, it's good to see that um, that ground and pound back with the Saints. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like you said, from a fantasy dynamic, why did this have to happen the week after I faced Kamara? Like, why did it have to happen a week where Kamara lit me up? I lost a matchup by basically less than a point because Kamara went off. This could have happened sooner. Saints could have made this happen earlier. 
But like y'all said, I feel your man, pain, I'm not, my brother. Yeah, I'm not gonna rehash all that y'all said. I think it's a good move, even just like Los was saying, from a chemistry and camaraderie sake. We saw all the kind of stuff that Mark Ingram had going on in the locker room, how he was really a leader on that squad. We know how he and Alvin Kamara um really are and you saw that Alvin Kamara was one of the first people to tweet out about it and then you saw really on the other end of things what Mark Ingram can mean to a locker room from the fact that Brandon Cooks looked like he was not happy about the deal at all so I think that it's going to benefit the Saints on the field it's going to give them you know like you were saying that secondary uh ball carrier and the thing about it as well uh, you were actually correct, Rob. I went and checked the numbers, and, and Mark Ingram Ooh. did second all time. So oh, yeah. kudos oh, to yeah. you for that one, bro. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm trying to add a nugget here or there. You know, it's the 100th episode. You know, if you look back at me and listen to the first episode and listen to me now, I'm trying to progress like y'all boys. So, you know, you know how it go. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm excited as a Saints fan that we padded up that backfield and added what worked for us. I think Mark Ingram has a lot left in the tank. And like you guys said, I mean, I, I even kind of followed Mark Ingram and even his morale in Houston. And you know what a mess Houston is right now. But he's still his same chipper self, same personality that we're accustomed to. And like you mentioned, Ramon, that relationship between Alvin Kamara, I was telling Los offline that I feel like that's going to boost his morale even more. I think when Mark Ingram left a piece of Alvin Kamara left. And with him back, man, I, I'm just excited about it. Um, and, and he's no slouch. He's no slouch. He's going to be able to, you know, really add some some real depth to us. But while we're on the Saints, uh, for our New Orleans who listeners, New Orleans listeners, man, why we couldn't trade for a receiver? <laughs> I mean, we needed a running back. But after watching that Seattle, uh, Seattle Seahawks game, you can't get open on that Seahawks secondary then you have issues. You have serious issues. I mean, it's so bad because our offensive line is built so well that Jameis is patiently waiting in the pocket. He has plenty of time, and he's looking downfield. And you know how in real time they zoom in, so you really can't see what's going on in the secondary until he throws the ball. But fast forward, they show a replay of why Jameis is there, and I was like, man, why Jameis won't throw the ball? He got plenty of time. And I see the replay, and they zoom out and show the secondary, and they're just showing all three receivers incapable of getting open or getting any type of separation of where James can throw it. Where do you guys see this going? Do you feel like we're going to ride it out with this wide receiver core? Are we really waiting on MT to get back if MT ever comes back? But what do you think that this receiving core, what, what do you think about that? I mean, I think the receiving core – you know, you can't expect more much from them. You know, you look at all their draft capital, a lot of them are undrafted guys. You know, they it's not really any, and a lot of guys are on Kevin White, Kenny Stills, you know, they have been to this point, in my opinion, bust, you know, so you can't really expect much from this receiving core, you know, and it's just really what happened and the timing of Michael Thomas' injury and his surgery and all that stuff would really put them in this situation. You know, and I think, you know, they're just holding out to Michael Thomas get back and relying on the relying on the running game. You know, Kamara is essentially a receiver for y'all, y'all best receiver. And so I think that's what they're using. And I think that's what they're doing. Um, and it's a smart move. It's a smart move. And, you know, I'm, I mean, I know it's unfortunate that Taysom Hill got hurt, but he was also another weapon that you guys are missing right now um, in the goal line and that run game, that power game. And so you bring a little bit back, you know, with that, with Ingram, you know, some of that power game, some of that, that's what y'all were missing and making Kamara pretty much our number one receiver holding off until Michael Thomas can come back for that last stretch of the season. So that's, that's what I think the plan is. No, I completely agree with that. Uh, nothing's really too much at there. I think that they're going to ride it out, uh, wait till MT comes back. That puts some of those guys in more natural roles where they fit. There's not a true number one wide receiver on there. Um, you know, when you look at a guy like Callaway that kind of has been put into that number one role, really on a good team, he's a two at best and maybe a number three wide receiver. So I think that once MT comes back, everybody will kind of slide into their natural roles. Uh, you will see that MT will hog a lot of targets, honestly. Um, but I, I think that they'll they'll ride it out. And I think that, you know, that they'll, like Lowe said, you know, just rely on the running game for right now, as you can see by the move that they just made. 
But if you saw that Monday night football game, you saw Alvin Kamara basically was our wide receiver one. You know, um, he had a bunch of targets. Um, I think he ended the game with like, what, seven catches? No, over 100 yards? Like, it was probably more like, I think, nine or so. Nine? It was, okay. It was somewhere like Yeah, that. I knew it was a bunch. And, you know, it, it it just goes to show you, man. I mean, I think it goes to Sean Payton genius, too, that he can offensively design and pretty much work around his weaknesses. I mean, we saw it in Drew's last two seasons and how he was able to maneuver around Drew having a weak arm and st- we still be effective offensively. I think it's pretty points to his genius as a as an offensive play caller. Um, but speaking of another great coach that's been in the headlines is our uncle Mike Tomlin. He's been circling around with rumors about being a USC Trojan, and he wasn't too happy about it. I wish I had the clip for you. Let me try to pull up the clip. Y'all talk about it. I'm gonna pull up the clip of what Mike Tomlin had to say, and we'll uh, we'll do it like that. Yeah, so just really quickly jumping into it for the listeners, um, we know that there are kind of two main openings in the college football spectrum right now with the USC job that came open, you know, earlier in the season and, of course, the LSU job. And what has happened with that and what you hear all the time is when you have those openings, you're going to get essentially the rumor mill of, you know, the coaches that are going to be potentially looking at those jobs or the coaches that the fans are eyeing. And so, Mike Tomlin's name recently, honestly, surfaced in both of those discussions, but it amplified for the USC job because Carson Palmer was recently on a radio show, I believe it's the Dan Patrick show, and they were talking to Carson Palmer and talking to him about some candidates for the job, and while they were talking, he mentioned Mike Tomlin's name as being a candidate for the job and thought that I guess it had been going around and floating in circles, and Almost when he said it, you you almost saw him take a step back and almost like wish that he didn't say it. But to kind of wrap that up and sum it up, basically, Mike Tomlin's name has been mentioned in there. We do know kind of what's been transpiring recently with the Steelers. They obviously aren't off to the best start. We know that this is coming probably to the end of, of Ben Roethlisberger's tenure with the team. So there's a lot of uncertainty there. And so when you have a job like USC coming up or even LSU, those are opportunities where you can be paid on the pay scale that you are accustomed to be paying uh, from an NFL perspective. And so pretty much, you know, he just made a statement and, and I'm going to hand it over to you, Rob, uh, or pretty much kind of denying the rumors that are flowing out. Tim Palmer connecting you to some college jobs. Hey, guys, I don't have time for that speculation. I mean, that's a joke to me. Okay. Um, I got one of the best jobs in, in all of professional sport. Why would I have any interest and coaching college football. Um, that'll be the last time that I address it. And not only today, but moving forward. Never say never, but never. Okay? Anybody else got any questions about any college jobs? There's not a booster with a big enough blank check. Anyone else? All right. Thank you. Anybody asking Sean Payton about that? You know, anybody asking Andy Reid about stuff like that? <laughs> <laughs> so Mike Tomlin really, really was upset about that question, and rightfully so. Carlos, what are your thoughts on that, man? Wow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I've heard parts of it, and I've seen people talking about it on Twitter, but kind of hearing it raw right there, it's just, it's, I kind of get it. He felt almost disrespected. You know, it's like I'm at the top of the world. I'm at one of the most Super Bowl winningest <laughs> programs, right? In the NFL history, and y'all asking me about college coaching jobs, you know, again, no knock on the biggest one or two of the biggest college programs, not to say that, but NFL is a is a level up, right? You're getting paid more in the NFL. The goal is to get to the NFL and the coach in the NFL. You know, we've seen people go back and forth, but if he's had one of the best programs and the best, you know, teams or organizations, why would he want to go back? So I kind of felt his disrespect. And I felt like he felt disrespected, you know, being asked that question. And that, you know, and that alludes to him asking, do y'all ask Sean Payton and to read this question? Why y'all asking me this question? That type of thing. So I, I, I like it. Uh, and and he, I'm glad he made it clear. He didn't, he didn't tiptoe. He didn't stand on the fence. He stood 10 toes down and was like, never. I will never say never, but <laughs> never. That, that's the part that, that sticks out the most to me. Yeah. 
And, and I feel that as a coach, too, that that's something that you have to do in the middle of the season. You know, when you're getting these kind of rumors that are floating, you got to always make sure that you're in control of the narrative, that also two things are set straight for your locker room, that there's not whispers around the organization. You don't want those distractions to come. And so right now, I believe that honestly, too, he just wants the focus to be what's on the field right now, not any focus on what's happening in his outside you know, life or what may happen in his career. He just wants the focus to be there. And so I think that he had to come out, address it, address it head on in the way that he addressed it, because if he let it kind of float, he's going to face these questions every week, if that's the case. You know, it'll be a question about the USC job this week. Two weeks later, it'll be a question about the LSU job. So you had to come out. You had to completely address it. Um, will I say that those rumors are going to die and that people are not going to talk about it? I read all the LSU message boards. It's still going to float. So, um, But it'll be interesting still to see how it continues to play out. But I think that he handled it the way he needed to. Yeah, I mean, I think I thought even when these rumors first circulated, I was like, why would it make sense for him to leave Pittsburgh? He's been extremely successful. He's only had wait, maybe – I think maybe maybe one losing season or two, no more than two as a coach. He's constantly making the playoffs. He has a Super Bowl. Like, I don't understand why is he connected to this job at all? Why would you want to degrade, downgrade, and go to, to the college level with all due respect to USC, even though that's a, that's a major coaching program, major, you know, major uh, job in college, top-notch. But you're having success, and like those mentioned, this is a very prestigious franchise. This is the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, equivalent if you're an NBA person, this is the Los Angeles Lakers. This is New York Knicks. Like, this is a, a very prestigious type franchise. So he's already at the top of the mountain as far as that. He's been – his tenure has been over a decade. I don't understand why he would, as a black coach, he has to be – just like he said at Sean Payton, now, you know, cut and dry. We know what he's saying. You got a guy like Sean Payton, my head coach, who's been there for years. We, he's had way, way more down seasons than Mike Tomlin has ever had while he was in Pittsburgh. And he's never on the house seat. He's never connected to these jobs. So it's just, to me, I think Mike Tomlin handled it very well. I understand his frustration. And it's like LeBron said when he won at 2020 NBA Finals, he said, I want my respect. And I think that's what Mike Tomlin said. I want my respect, and I've earned it. Yeah, quick little thing, though, just on the other side of things, you know, I think that we can be easily dismissive at times to say, OK, college is one level, NFL is a whole nother level. In this past season, Coach O made more money than Mike Tomlin as a coach. I know that may be shocking to people. Uh, Mike Tomlin makes eight million. Coach O was pretty much close to right at nine mil. And that salary probably is going to go up for the next coach at, at, at LSU. So when you are at these premier college programs, Although it, it may be in your mind that, okay, NFL is elite, when we talk about kind of things from a financial standpoint, it can uh, be luke more lucrative at some of the top tier uh, college institutions. So uh, what I will say on the other end of things is I won't be completely dismissive to say it's completely two different leagues, um, you know, with that. So just present that other side of things that, hey, those top tier college coaches and those top tier college programs are still very attractive opportunities. Do I think that Mike Tomlin is the guy for that? Maybe not. But if you talk about a mid-tier NFL coach, a mid-tier NFL coach can really make out better, honestly, going to the college ranks. So just want to present that side of it as well. Like Adam Gase. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yo, but... Look, man, I wish Mike Tomlin all the luck in the world. I, I really respect him as a head coach. He's one of the few rare African-American head coaches, successful head coach in the league. And I, man, give that man his respect, man. Give that man his respect. You know, that's all I want. Give him his respect. He's earned it. Um, even if you look at the past three, four years dealing with Antonio Brown and his craziness, you know, and, and how he's always managed to, to to be to prove himself as a leader amongst men. And, you know, this is another trait, like you said, Ramon, that just, you know, it proves how he handling this situation that he is a leader amongst men. You mentioned it. You brought it up. LSU, 
It's no secret that LSU is looking for their next head coach after letting Coach O go on a paid vacation because <laughs> this man is going to make bank just sitting on his butt, not doing anything. Um, but Coach O, you know, with all due respect, he does have a championship, national championship. He had a magical season. We all know how we feel about it. Um, but there are some names that are attached to this vacancy. And there are some big names. Lane Kiffin has been connected to this job. Um, the guy out of Michigan State, I can't think of his name right now. Ramon, maybe you can help me out. Uh, just because you said it, now it's escaping me oh, right man. now. But, uh, we'll, 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 we'll no, 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 no. Uh, uh, this is a guy, he was under Saban. He oh. just went to Michigan State. Oh, um. uh, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. A lot of names are attached to this. It's Mel uh, Tucker. Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker. Was come. Mel Tucker. So, in which I would like to see him there, but my top choice is Joe Brady for obvious reasons. Um, I don't know. I think when you mentioned earlier, Ramon, about a mid-tier coach in NFL going to a prestigious, great, uh, um, a great uh, program as far as LSU of the world, the USC of the world, I, th- I think of Joe Brady as a good opportunity him to make a lot more money than he's making now and for him to be able to lead a team and lead some and maybe bring a dynasty to LSU. Yeah, uh, he, he's definitely one of those candidates that you would probably put uh, between that tier one, tier two, uh, you know, place with the job. I think there's some other names that you, you know, you already mentioned Mel Tucker, mentioning Lane Kiffin, a name that's really been floating around in circles that I know will be hard to believe but Lincoln Riley has really been servicing a lot as a guy that um, they're going to be, you know, really make the move to go and pursue. You know what he's doing over there in Oklahoma. A lot of people would say, OK, you got an easier road over there. But we do know that in a few years, Oklahoma will actually be in the SEC. And so when we look at things from a recruiting standpoint, knowing what LSU has in their backyard in Louisiana, honestly, you could see that LSU could potentially be a more attractive job. Am I saying that they will lure him? Possibly, you know, is it super likely? Maybe not, but that's a possibility. Also, you look at Luke Fickle um, in Cincinnati, what he has with that team sitting as the number two team in the nation. That's your guy. Luke Fickle, I I have a a lot of belief in Luke Fickle. Um, Now, I do, you know, think that it may be a little bit difficult to pull him out of the Midwest, just kind of how, you know, family ties, but money um, talks. So, uh, you're really looking at guys like Luke Fickle, Lane Kiffin, like you mentioned, Lincoln Raleigh, which is probably tops of the list. Mike Tomlin has been mentioned for that job as well, potentially. Um, and then you have a local guy in Billy Napier who has really built uh, the ULL program, uh, really built that program up as someone that may get a look as well. So those are some of the kind of the names that are really floating out there right now. Now, Ramon, don't have Mike Tomlin hating our podcast because you keep mentioning <laughs> tying him to these college jobs. The man say that it, it'll never happen. <laughs> He's, uh, right? I mean, he did. He did. He did. Uh, now yeah. I'm just fucking. Yeah. So, so I mean, that that's pretty much kind of the scope of things. And, and we honestly know just like we talked about previously, you know, LSU had to make the move. This is about the on-field product, but also several different things that were occurring with Coach O off the field. And even things that he's done from a roster mismanagement standpoint, you know, it was it was recently reported that LSU right now doesn't even have enough players to fully run a full scale scrimmage right now. You know, you're supposed to have 85 scholarship athletes, 85 scholarship players and LSU has uh, roughly around 50 right now. So Coach O has poorly managed the program. You know, we look at the recruiting classes that have been good, but when you aren't keeping those guys then what are you really doing? So just so much uh, in that process and definitely is a time for LSU to move forward and look to who is going to be the next guy who can come in and and lead them to a lot of success. Anytime you look at Les Miles and Coach O winning national championships with the program, when your last three head coaches have won a national championship, I believe you have a really strong case for, you know, a top tier guy to come. You know, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because, I think LSU as a program, we're at a point where we look at what Bama has. We look at what kind of what Clemson have built, even though they're on the decline. Um, and we look at that and we're like, we want a dynasty too. And I feel like we've had the talent. We had the superstars. 
we've had the, the great players that have been come through LSU, uh, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. We've had, you know, great players like Justin Jefferson come through, Joe Burrow. Like, we've had these awesome players that come through, but, you know, no disrespect to the to the older guys that we've had come through, but, you know, Patrick Peterson and, and guys like that. And we're looking at it, we're like, we can have a dynasty. We can have a team that's always in that number one, number two spot. But it just seems like we have these down years. So I really feel like our next head coach should really be a person that can build a program, a solid program, and and really can be a, a cornerstone and can and compete with the with the Bamas of the world um, and those guys that are always mentioned in that top bracket. Ohio State, even of recent, you know, that's always in that top. They're always in that in that discussion. I think LSU deserves that. I think us as alumni deserve that, and I feel like those recruits and players. Deserve. I agree. Well said. Um. So now that we moved on to that, do we have a quick guess of who you think? Or are we going to do that? Maybe round round quick. Who do you feel like LSU will ultimately hire as their head, next head coach? I'm gonna go unknown. I'm gonna go right unknown. Now. No, that's cheating. I, I know. I'm gonna think. I think it's we mentioned all these big names. I think it's gonna be some guy that come out of pretty much nowhere. Yeah. I just I don't know why. I just have this feeling that it's gonna be some guy that comes out of maybe a small program that we're not thinking of. What I will say to, to Los's benefit on that or, or to kind of back him up just a little bit, Scott Woodward is a guy that a lot of times you don't know the direction he's going. People didn't see Chris Peterson coming to Washington when he came over there. People didn't see Jimbo coming to Texas A&M when he came over there. People didn't see the Jay Johnson hire for the baseball program coming when he came over there, a lot of the times, if you're seeing a ton of rumors, most of the time, that's not really the way that Scott Woodward is moving. But for the sake of the podcast, I'm swinging big. We're going to get Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley will be the next coach of your LSU Tigers. Ooh, I'm going to go Luke Fickle here, man. When you look at what he's done with Cincinnati, Cincinnati is, is a mid-major. They're not known for their football. They're not known as being a successful program. So when you look at them standing at number two in the nation right now, that guy has something, and I feel like we need that down here in Louisiana. So, Luke Fickle, if you listen to the podcast, we'll welcome you with open arms. You know, you can come on the podcast anytime you want. You know, you're welcome here in Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, Luke, we'll break the story for you. Just drop it on <laughs> right. us. We'll break it for you. Right. So, we're hoping that that's tied up pretty soon because guys are going to start getting recruiting. Coach O will finish out the season. I think that he will be paid out $17 million, Ramon? Yeah, it's $17 million. To do nothing. That is amazing. It almost feels like getting the, the LSU job is only secondary to if you're getting fired or laid off from the job <laughs> without right. cause. All right, so we're moving on to the pros. Uh, we, we're in the NFL. We're in the NFL. We're going to talk some football. We'll wrap it up with NBA. Uh, we are eight weeks in, guys. It is about to be week eight. Does this stuff just fly by what? Um, it's been a very interesting season. We're going to do our yearly, like we always do, our midseason awards. Uh, we can start off with rookie, uh, offensive rookie of the year. Give it to me, guys. We're going to do roundtable discussion. I'll go last this time, and then we'll go back around the other time. Let's go with the obvious. I'm going to go with Chase, Jamar Chase, as the rookie of the year. Offensive LSU rookie. Tiger. LSU, baby. Yeah, it's honestly not even close right now. It's Jamar Chase by a landslide. Not even I, think it, I think that's unanimous. Defensive rookie of the year. Um, I don't know, Ramon. You <laughs> I know nobody is really stood out to me. Yes, Trayvon Diggs. No, Trayvon Diggs, he's not a rookie. Second this is year. like his second year. Yeah, it's his second year. Yeah, really? it's his second year. This is his second year. He Seriously? came out last year. Yeah, he, he played for Dallas last year. Yeah. Wow. He's not a rookie. That, but, COVID, that COVID year messed me up. Yeah. I, but, I, I could have sworn he was a rookie. Nah, he came out. He was in the same draft class as like Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, that Bama okay, draft Okay, okay, okay. Wow, wow. He was well, in the draft tripping. with those yeah, guys. I'm tripping, I'm tripping. But uh, just off the top of my head, like a, a, a guy that had been playing pretty well that also is on that same team is Micah Parsons, that one that, you know, I'll throw out there as a candidate uh, definitely for that defensive. Yeah, I mean, he could play when he played defensive end effectively <laughs> when, when they were short on the defensive line. I was like, man, this dude is special. Yeah, this guy is special. Um, 
I don't know, man. I'm stumped myself. I'm, I'm, I put myself on this. <laughs> I, like, I thought I really had one with Trayvon Diggs. Well, that was definitely going to be the runaway because he might get it for the whole league. Man, are y'all sure? Yeah. I could have sworn, sworn Trayvon Diggs was a rookie. I don't know why I thought he was a rookie. I mean, All I right. know Asante Samuel Jr. has been balling out over there in Los Angeles as a corner. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I think that Michael Parsons probably is the favorite. If, if we just be honest, round robin here. Yeah, I feel he like is he, the favorite. We yeah. just get out of here with that. Huh? <laughs> All right. So the next, the next one we have here is um the next award is defensive player of the year so far. Go with go with your boy, Rob. You you <laughs> mentioned him. You just threw him out as a rookie. <laughs> Man. I don't know. I'm embarrassed. The defensive player right now, I got um uh the def- defense defensive end for the Browns. Uh you talking about Miles Garrett? Miles Garrett, yeah. he's leading leading sacks. Yeah. I throw him out there. That's I right man. now, I'll I'll go with just Diggs, Trevon Diggs, just because he's been on such a crazy start, like pretty much getting an interception in like every game. The ball just, you know, kind of finding him. Um, so I, I'm gonna go with Trevon Diggs right now. Call me a homer, but I'm going to go Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, if you look statistically, okay, you might be like, but if you really watch the game and how he's been locking down receivers, I mean, he locked down DK. DK had that that lucky catch, but he held DK to two catches, two catches. This this is what I'm going to say on that, though, Rob. This is what I'm going to say. We know with these awards and we know what people vote, they not sitting there watching every single game. They not sitting there saying, let me watch every single snap of Marshawn Lattimore. They're saying, oh, Miles Garrett just had this sack and forced fumble. Or they saying, oh, dang, Trevon Diggs just picked something off again. Now, I, I get what you're saying with Marshawn, but Marshawn has also missed some time as well, which I think also is kind of a knock against him. But when he's been on the field, he has been locked down. Like, he has been shut down. He, he locked up uh, his former teammate, too, Terry McLaurin, uh, well, his Ohio State guy as well. So, He's pretty much locked up every receiver, so I can see what you're saying. I just think that with right these now. awards, it has to kind of pop. You know, it has to – you got to really see something pop, mm-hmm. and I don't think that anything so, is pop. So I'll go with my uh, red shirt rookie, Trayvon Diggs, then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so offensive player of the year. I think it's a pretty slam dunk for me right now. I'm going to go with the best team in the NFL right now. That's the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to go with Kyler Murray. You know, he's been electric. He's been tearing up the league. He's been unstoppable. Um, that's the only team to beat the Los Angeles Rams right now, and it wasn't even close. And it was a big part of what Kyler Murray did. I, I was just seeing how this was becoming a slight Rams segment just there, how you just kind of threw that, threw that in there real slickly. You mentioned one team, right, baby. Right. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a go with one guy here, but I also have a guy that, like, my second – Guy, because oh, you're gonna steal mine. No, okay, so you I'm gonna just go with my first guy. I'm gonna go with my first guy. It's Derrick Henry. I, I gotta go with what, what Man, still okay. Well, I see you should have let me start with my second guy. Then you could have just <laughs> I could have rolled with my second guy because you know I, I, I think that I'm reserving Kyler for something else, I'm reserving him for something else. So I got King Henry there, but sleeper is Cooper Cup. Man, Cooper Cup been lighting it up. Cooper Cup is a sleeper for that. He he's killing it, leading the league hey, in receiving, so let you receiving go yards, Cup. touchdowns, Receive, touchdowns, and receptions. Yep. Yeah. And that. it's not gonna stop Matthew Stafford when he find a guy he loves. He force feeds him. That's Megatron on this. Yeah. Back in the day when he played fantasy, man. Derrick Henry, bro. Derrick Henry, man. That's my guy. He, I mean, he he's having he's off to an amazing start in the first seven weeks of the year, put this in perspective. He's already at what, um, yeah, his numbers. Yeah, 869 rushing yards, 10 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's insane. Like, this guy's on pace to really, like, when you when you look at some of the great running back campaigns, you're looking at Eric Dickerson with his 2,000 yards. You're looking at Adrian Peterson with his 2,000-yard season. Derrick Henry did 2,000 yards a season ago. But this dude is well on pace to surpass 2,000 rushing yards for the season. He's already almost at 1,000 yards, seven yards. Do you know how hard it is to do? Like, it's yeah. crazy. I'm losing my voice on how crazy that is. <laughs> I think we have to understand when you're witnessing greatness as a sports fan, and we are witnessing something we've never seen before. 
I pray that he stay healthy. If he's able to stay healthy, we may see for the first time that he may comfortably pass 2,000 yards on a season. That is crazy. Yeah, and like you said, just just recognizing that you're witnessing greatness. Uh, I believe, I'm going to go ahead and say, like you're seeing one of the top five running backs of all time. I'm going to go ahead and say it while we're in the midst of it. You're seeing it happen right before I mean, I, I mean, I saw a funny tweet saying that he's like the, I think Des Bryant tweeted it, that he's like one of the, you know, like the the running back that you make on Madden. Like, but it's it's so true. Yeah. It's like, you know, he's big, but he's explosive. He's he's huge, but he's quick. He's fast. He's powerful. He has great vision. He, you know, he's just, I mean, he's just I, I, amazing. Yeah, I, I'll say this too, and I can't get it out of my head. I cannot get the image out of my head. Ever since I seen somebody tweet out that he run like Forrest Gump, <laughs> I, <cannot laughs> he he I saw you retweet that. I saw you retweet that. I love watching him play. He's he's fun to watch. Um, and it's funny because I saw a meme. This is all base. We're going to get back on track. But it's funny. It's like, would, 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 you, rather, um, would you rather get – would you rather have to tackle Derrick Henry or get dunked on by Anthony Edwards? Oh no! Would you rather have to stop? Uh, would you rather have to tackle uh, tackle Derrick Henry or would you rather have to defend a dunk by Anthony Edwards? I'd rather defend the dunk I'm, by Anthony Edwards. I'm defending the dunk. <laughs> no, that's easy. At least I'm not gonna get hurt in the process. I'm gonna look terrible both ways because I'm gonna be a poster and I'm probably gonna get stiff on and, and look like Josh Norman at the same time. But at least I won't be hurt from getting posterized. Yeah, I, I said the same. I don't even know, I don't even know how that's a question, honestly, but I definitely would rather have to like I we mentioned the other day, it was like um it's really a business decision when it's when it comes to tackling him in the open field like i mean x uh what's the guy's name i forgot his name corner for for the bills you know the stiff arm josh norman josh norman that's no man when you look at how josh norman got stiff on bro like I was, i'm like bro that that's just ridiculous bro yeah at this point i mean you really would look like a bug on a windshield trying to <laughs> tackle right. this dude it doesn't make sense Man, dude, I'm crazy. slipping and falling before it happened, bro. I'm, something gonna happen. My <laughs> cleats gonna be it got caught up. I'm taking the wrong angle. <laughs> right. like, real, like it, it get real. But yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to be in Derrick Henry's way full speed. Um, but that's fun. Let's get back to it though. So, um, so now I think that's it, man. I think we to the to the head hunt show MVP NFL MVP. I'm going to go crazy. He may not do it, but I've convinced myself after how I've been talking about Derrick Henry. And because you stole my offensive player of the year, Ramon, I'm going to go Derrick Henry for one. I know one of the first running back MVPs of the NFL. I like it. If he get, get, get 2,500 yards rushing, he got to He got to get MVP. I'm sorry. He got to get MVP. If he get 2,500 yards rushing. That's just me. Yeah, I like it's kind of it. like it's kind of like when 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 Westbrook hit that first time he averaged a triple double for the season. It was like I don't care how his team performing, like we've never seen that before. You got to give it to him. You know, it's one of those types of deals. Now I'm, I, I I can see it. I can see it. Uh, my guy that I'm gonna go with for MVP is Los's guy that he went for uh, for offensive player of the year, and it's gonna be Kyler Murray. I just look at what that Cardinals team is doing, sitting there at seven and zero. Um, you know, as we're recording this podcast and just the way that they've been playing. I mean, Kyler Murray being pretty much the head, you know, Honcho over there, the leader of that, that offense that is one of the most prolific offenses in the league. I believe that he's going to continue to excel. Um, and, you know, I believe on kind of slightly off topic. Hopefully they've convinced you so far, Rob, if they haven't, you know, then that's a whole nother thing. But Man. I'm going to go with Kyler Murray. Hit me up by the time listeners hit us, the game will probably have transpired. So I'm at the Thursday night. Let me see how they perform tomorrow. And if they oh, win, you gotta wait for eight games, <laughs> eight games to judge a team. That's fair. That's okay. fair. It's halfway okay. through the season, you know. Gotcha. I'm, I'm gonna see how they perform tomorrow against uh the Packers. You know, let's see what they do. Okay. Yeah. For me, I would just say it's gonna come down to three people. It's gonna and I'm gonna choose one, but it's gonna come down to Matthew Stafford. It's gonna come to come down to Tom Brady. And it's gonna come he had down to, to throw Kyle him Murray. in there. Matthew Kyle Stafford. Murray. 
No, it is definitely is. Man. It I mean, does fit, be, though. It, I, I got to give, give him a little leeway on that one. It does fit. Yeah, it, it comes down. And let's be real. It's a quarterback award. You know, it's very rare that you see anybody else winning, you know, outside running back sometimes. You know, it's a quarterback's award. And you also got to think about storyline. You know, Stafford coming from a team that he wasn't good. If he leads the team to the number one team in the NFC, which the Rams have another date with the Cardinals, you know, the beginning of December. And on a Sunday night game, if he beats them then, then he turns into the favorite. He's right there with numbers-wise, right there with Kyler Murray and everything. So I can see the situation where Kyler Murray wins Offensive Player of the Year because of his rushing ability, but Stafford has a better record and the number one team in the NFC, and he's the MVP. So I'm going to choose Stafford for mine. All right. I mean, I, I'm not mad at it. I just had to poke fun at Los with the Stafford pick. That's not a bad pick at all. Um, and Tom Brady, I feel like, is is the type of year that he's having. He's well on his way to taking that award at 44 years old. I talked to a guy the other day. I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast that said that Tom Brady is not the GOAT. But we're not going to even get into that. Um, what? I think I did tell y'all that. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't I, I, I don't ever want to have a conversation with somebody that says Tom Brady. As much as I don't really care for Tom, I respect greatness. And you cannot say Tom is not the goal. Yeah, yeah. At 44 years old, look at what he's doing. Yeah, that, there's no way that you can make a case really for anybody else. <laughs> I mean, it just is what it is at this point. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's interesting. So now we're getting to teams. Before we get into the, the outlook into Super Bowl picks based on what you've seen so far, um, Los, you know, we got to let the listeners know we have an ongoing bet this season, and that is that my New Orleans Saints, you said that my New Orleans Saints won't make the playoffs. I said that they would, and we have a friendly best friend wager. How you feeling about this bet so far, man, eight games in? I just want to tell you, you can thank them. <laughs> I just want to tell you, you can thank the Rams for y'all win against the Seahawks. And you know what I mean by that. You can thank the Rams because the Rams were the one that knocked out Russell Wilson. Because if Russell Wilson was playing that game, it wouldn't have been 10 points scored. Trust me, it wouldn't have been 10 points scored. So, so you can thank the Rams for helping y'all with that W. But still, I stick to my guns with it. I still think that you guys are going to be right on the outside looking in. You got a tough – the telltale this week is when y'all play the Bucks. You know, that's defending champions. You got a team coming in there that is getting healthy. Levante David coming back. Um, we are a friend of his, his agent. Um, and then we got Gronk coming back this week. So, you know, you guys do good against the Bucks. Y'all beat the Bucks, then I might be eating my words because um, y'all pretty much on your way to go to the playoffs. But if y'all falter against the Bucks, y'all fall to that four and three, then you right back in that situation of, on the outside looking in. Well, my friend, I would expect nothing different than somebody that has their money on the line. But I will say, if my Saints was able to scurry along these seven games and the, and the way that they played, well, six games we had a bye week, the way that they're looking, they're looking pretty good. I, I don't, I mean, I think the addition of Mike Mark Ingram's gonna gonna help. I think that MT is headed in the right direction and he's gonna be back pretty soon. I'm liking our chances. Um, Jameis has been playing well. I think he's a, a different player than what we used to seeing. Uh, he has a revenge game against the Bucs. So I'm pretty sure, uh, like I read reports, that he was getting in faces of um, of Troy Corn Smith. I think it's going to be a lot of that this, this practice week this week because he's going to make sure his boy is ready to roll. Um, so we'll see. Just like you said, time will tell. Uh, we still got time. But I, I felt like that friendly wage, I'm feeling pretty good about my money right there. But um, three weeks. <laughs> so we're gonna get into it, man. So we're gonna get into some Super Bowl picks based on what we've seen. Um, Super Bowl picks. I, I'll start off. Uh, I think that the Cardinals will be there. Um, but I don't know. I like the Rams though. I like the Rams a lot. But I'm gonna Wait. go with the. Hold on. So do you believe in the Cardinals or do you not believe in the Cardinals? I think I. I think I. I, I think do believe in them. I think I do. Okay, I'm just I'm just seeing um, now, now you picking them as favors, but then it's like, hold up, they still gotta show me. No, I'm gonna go Rams though. I, I like the Rams a lot, bro. I like the Rams a lot, like on both sides of the ball. So I'm gonna go to Rams in the NFC. 
Nah, but Tampa. Wow, I shouldn't have went first because I don't know. I like Tampa. I, I'll go, man. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. This this is who I got in my Super Bowl on the NFC on the NFC side. I'm I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with uh, the Rams, and then on the AFC side, I'm gonna go. Uh, mm, let's go. Uh, hmm, I'm gonna go Baltimore. I'm gonna go Baltimore. I think Lamar has is on is, has stepped it up. Uh, I think that. I think on that side of the ball, I think I think he's getting better week by week. So I, I, I like I like the Ravens. Wait, but but you say this after they just you said the week after they just got demolished, like really just got destroyed against. But uh, you can Cincinnati. have a bad week. I, I mean, we, we I the Saints you, blew out the Saints blew out Green Bay in week one, and you would have thought that Green Bay was going to be struggling. Look at them; they rip off six games straight. You know, you. you're going to have I, bad weeks. I respect I think, it. I like it because when we play this back later, you know, you'll be wrong. So, you know, I can just hold <laughs> that over your head. <laughs> That's what makes it fun. You got to be risque. <laughs> you can't you can't go go with the grind. You got to be risque with these picks. I feel you. Lois, it seemed like you were ready to go. Yeah, yeah. I, I think right there, this year, any year, the AFC is wide open, right? The Chiefs not being the Chiefs, right? The Chiefs are supposed to be the team that's supposed to be the favorite for the next five to ten years, you know, <laughs> what they have on their team. I'm not counting them out all the way, but I don't see them winning the Super Bowl this year. So I'm going to go with the Bills, man. The Bills have a good team. They have a good defense. Um, they have Josh Allen, who is, you know, probably the second best quarterback in the AFC. And, you know, their weapons are good. They were right there with the Chiefs last year, um, right when Diggs stayed on the field and watched the celebrations. Um, I'll say that this year is the year that they get over the hump and they make it to the Super Bowl. And then I would say I'm going to go with the Rams, man. I know it sounds like a homer pick, but I would say the only reason I'm not picking the Cardinals is because they don't have that experience, that playoff experience. It's a different game when you get in the playoffs. And, you know, we have the experience of being there as a team and as a coach. The Cardinals, this is one of their first winning seasons. Right now, still a lot of season to go. But, you know, they're still last, the only last undefeated team. But in the playoffs, game planning, all that stuff changes. It, it becomes more pressure. And I, I think, you know, they may win a playoff game or two, but I, th- I don't think they're going to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I really had the same pick. I got Buffalo over there in AFC um, for the reasons that you mentioned. I believe that there is no clear-cut team out there, but Buffalo, to me, definitely is at the top of the heap over there. And then, like you mentioned, preseason-wise, I've, I've believed in the Rams preseason-wise. That's why even we talked about, you know, all the fantasy football players I was actually grabbing from that team and even picking up in a league that still does defenses, um, which we don't typically do. But in a league that still does defenses, I even picked up, you know, the Rams defense. So I believe in them. I gonna go ahead and say rams and bills that's my pick at this point but i'm hoping you know obviously things will be looking a little bit different in the afc but yeah yeah real quick and then another motivation too is the super bowls played at sofi stadium this year so that's another motivation for the rams to get to the super bowl yeah that's crazy yeah see i want my rams pick which i didn't want to go against the grain in aoc that's all right i'll stand on my ledge alone Lamar hey. Jackson, Rashad uh, Bateman is back off injury. Hey, you heard Mark how Joe Andrews. talking, man. You heard how Joe Burrow talking. Joe says they, yeah, man. Hey, Joe, look, that's another subject for another time. But Joe, man, he he got Cincinnati rolling. He got Cincinnati rolling, him and Jamar Chase. I think you're going to see the next trend of college, of NFL teams drafting the college quarterback along with the receiver. Um, I don't know how many marriages that would, would would afford, but, I mean, that their – Jamar Chase and Joe Burrows, their rapport is just – it's crazy. It's almost like Joe could just throw it without even looking and know where Jamar is going to be. Hey, slight little note too, man. I'm saying it. Jamar Chase is a top five wide receiver in this league today. He's wow. a top five wide receiver right now. Well, speaking of which, I mean, I know we didn't plan on speaking on this, but we talk about his former, uh, I guess, alumni, Odell Beckham, man. Look at his decline, man. You know, and it's a combination of things. I don't think it's really his fault. I think it's a combination of just ending up in the wrong system. You know, he's in a run-heavy offense. Baker Mayfield's shoulder is, is, is bothering him. But on top of that, I don't think he's one of Baker's favorite targets, but 
my question to you guys, I mean, I don't feel like it is, but do you feel like we've seen the last of the Odell we knew to be in NFL? Man, that's a tough one because I hate to say, I hate to say that we have. I think that we've seen the last of peak Odell where we're looking at a guy that we feel, you know, could arguably be mentioned as the number one wide receiver in the league. Do I feel that we can see a better version of Odell than we're seeing right now? Yes, I do believe that he has to uh, honestly get away from Cleveland for us to see that. But as far as seeing the Odell that we were looking at as like, this is an all-time guy, us saying that he's going to have one of the best resumes of all time and all of that from the trajectory that he was on, I don't think that we'll see that Odell again. No, that's so sad to see, man. That's so sad to see. Um, But yeah, I mean, the trajectory that he had from when he made that famous catch, which put him on the map. I, I don't, I, I, I agree with you. I don't feel like we'll see that peak, but I do feel like he had a lot left in the tank. He just got to end up in the right, a better situation than he is now. Yeah. And, and it's just one of those things that man, the grass is not always greener. You know, he had a situation in New York where, you know, we talked about Eli not being able to throw the deep ball and not being able to hit him sometimes, but he was force fed over there. Um, and just in here where you talk about a lot of times Baker doesn't even look his way. And we know that, especially even when Jarvis is playing and that goes even, you know, fewer looks. So, um, so it's one of those things that's definitely a lesson that the grass isn't always greener and it's sad to see, but I'm hoping that he can land somewhere else and that we can see, you know, maybe 80% of that Odell again or something like that. Well, yeah, it's sad to see one of my favorite players in NFL still to this day. Um, former LSU alumnus, but hey, here we go. So going forward, we will do this. This is our weekly segment, and then we'll jump into NBA real quick. I think time has been well spent so far, but we have to reveal our fantasy must plays this week. I'll start it off. It's not a player. It's a defense. It's the Cincinnati Bengals defense. I feel like they have a really good matchup against a rookie quarterback in the Jets, who's making his first start. The Jets are already a terrible team, but being led by (laughs) a rookie just automatically makes that an excellent play. So if you haven't, if if your league has been asleep and the Cincinnati Bengals so happen to still be on their waiver wire, you need to go pick him up right now when you're hearing this podcast. If you already have drafted him or picked him up, make sure that you have them in your lineup, whether it's DFS or whether it's just in your league, you want the Cincinnati Bengals in your lineup this week because I promise you, you probably gonna get some interceptions, if not some touchdowns on that defensive side. Man, that was a good. I like that pick, man. I actually tried to get, get scooped them up in a couple of leagues, couldn't didn't get them, but um, I, I got uh, anybody. I got a couple players. Um, I got Khalil Herbert. You know, with that 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 Bears run game now, he's clearly taking over that that backfield with Damian Williams over there. And um, he's done well. I had a question since you mentioned Khalil. If you had Miles Gaskin, are you starting Miles Gaskin or are you starting Khalil Herbert? I'm, I'm starting Khalil in that situation. Miles Gaskin's situation has been up and down. I know Malcolm Brown in that situation over there is now on IR, and he's probably going to get majority of carries with, with the Miami Dolphins. But I like Khalil Herbert. Anytime you can run, rush 18 times over 100 yards against the Bucks defense. I think you have a solid player. Another guy, too, who may be out there on waivers um, is Robert Tunyon. You know, he has not started hot, but you're looking at a team that's going to be down there, top two wide receivers. Um, you know, he's a, a good play going in tomorrow. He's probably the one that's most familiar with Aaron Rodgers going into it. So I can expect him to get probably six to eight targets going into the game. Um, and so I, I think about that, and I think about anybody on the Rams offense. You know, you think about Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, you're going against – probably the worst team in the NFL um, with Houston this week, Matthew Stafford, Tyler Higby, you get any piece of those guys in that, in that, in that game. And, you know, you play them and you forget it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering if he's going to leave something for you, Ramon. <laughs> yeah. He pretty much took everything out there. Uh, but what I'll roll with, you know, um, one that may not be super, super obvious, but a guy that's been having a really strong season is Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, I believe he has presented himself as a must-start guy, really kind of most weeks. But seeing, you know, that Miami Dolphins defense, especially that secondary outside of Xavier Howard over there, 
pretty weak secondary. We know that Diggs will probably draw the number one matchup over there. I think it's an opportunity for Diggs to eat um, for, um, I'm sorry, Emmanuel Sanders to eat. You know, he's been weekly, definitely a double digit uh, guy each week. And so I believe he's a really good start. And I also think that, uh, you know, Zach Ertz, what he's showing, what he showed week one uh, over there in Arizona, I think that he'll kind of continue to keep that up. We already knew that Ertz still had a lot in the tank. Um, and that that Philly situation just wasn't the best situation. So I think that he's a nice uh, plug and play guy in that tight end position if you need somebody this week. And then another tight end, I would say, although I just kind of talked about the situation over there in Philly, but I think with things clearing out over there, Dallas um, Goddard or Goddard can kind of get back to what we expected him to be. So I think that he would be a nice play as well if you're looking for someone at that tight end position. Those are all good picks. You heard it here. You want the advice, you should take it. Definitely, if you want to win your leagues, that's just a little taste. Let's get into the NBA. We had one week down. Um, of course, one of the biggest stories of the the year. But there, there's been a lot of rumblings about the Lakers and how we've gotten off to a slow spot, a slow start as uh, Laker fans, and we've gotten a lot of flag, but. We did pick up a win, an impressive win against the Spurs, and we actually saw the emergence. I don't think that it's that ironic that LeBron is out with an ankle injury and then Westbrook explodes uh, like he did in that, in, that, in that game. I think he was close to another triple-double. I think I know he had 37 and 7, something like that, close to that. But as, as, as a player, as a Laker fan, as we all evaluate our team, do y'all agree with the with the sentiment that we should stagger LeBron and Westbrook's minutes? Because I feel like Westbrook, it may be a little handicapped starting off in the season, which is trying to figure out how to play with a LeBron. I would say, yes, staggered, but in a way of, yes, you start them together. But when you let Russ run the second team without Rondo on the floor. I didn't like the the first couple games, you know, Rondo was on the floor with the second team, Brian was off, but you also have another dominant ball handler, ball, ball handler and Rondo on the floor. Smart teams like Phoenix, you know, are going to clog the paint and force the Lakers to shoot outside, which, you know, Rondo has improved his shot, Westbrook has improved his shot, but they're not necessarily three-point shooters, which very which limits, you know, obviously what you can do, you know, on the court and you missing shots and other team are getting fast break, beating us down the court. So again, I would say you put Westbrook and you, and they've been doing better by putting Austin Reeves in the game now, a shooter, and it's been spreading the floor. And as you've seen these last couple games, Lakers are now on a two game win streak. They've opened the floor and they have more scores, more shooters on the floor. You now have Melo Reeves on the floor with Russell Westbrook and things have been better. Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything that you said there. My two things, you know, noticing early off was, as you mentioned, you can't play Russ and Rondo together. And also, I really don't love Russ in there with two bigs as well. Um, that's just not anything that I see as a long-term solution for the Lakers as well. So I really thought that in game one and even a lot of game two, you saw Russ be put in situations where he just had no chance to be Russ. He's already going to have to take somewhat of a backseat from a playmaking standpoint while LeBron is playing. So if you're also clogging the paint while LeBron is playing, he can't be Russ. If you're putting Rondo in there with him at the same time, he can't be Russ. So you finally saw when he was able to be himself that the best version showed. And it showed why the Lakers have made the move because they know that throughout the course of this season, there's going to be some games LeBron's going to miss. There's going to be some games that Anthony Davis is going to miss, but you'll always have a guy, you know, at least maybe two of those guys or at least one of those guys going at all times. So um, I do agree that you look to stagger to an extent, but the biggest things were like Los mentioned, the Rondo pairing, and to me, the two bigs, bigger than just so much staggering LeBron and Russ. Yeah, I mean, I think it all points to this, is that it's still extremely early. Coach Vogel is working his way through this thing. He's going to figure out the rotations. He's going to figure out what personnel to use. So I think you just got to be patient with this thing. I think anybody that uh, even you flash back to when LeBron um, first went to Miami with alongside Dwayne Wade and, and Chris Bosh, it took some time for that pairing to mesh. But when it did, it was magical. And the thing about great players, as I've always said, is that they always tend to figure it out. <laughs> you know, whoever thought Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie would have figured it out last season, they did. 
And I think that that's going to happen. Uh, but as we flip forward, uh, we still got drama in Philly. Ben Simmons is relentless. The latest report we promised to keep you updated is that Ben Simmons said he's not in the right, quote-unquote, mental space to play for Philadelphia. Uh, he met with the coaches and the higher-ups in the front office and said that he's just not in the mental space. Uh, I thought it was interesting in Embiid with their first home game, he addressed the crowd saying that uh, that's our brother still. And we, you know, probably getting the sentiment that he can come back with welcome arms. I think that this situation is stale, and I think that Philly ultimately needs to move on. I think that Daryl Morey coming out and saying that, you know, this thing could go on for four years is just, I don't know if he's, if if ignorance, ignorance is bliss or if, He's, he just doesn't know what to do, but clearly this thing cannot drag on for four years because he's only going to be a distraction as long as he's in a Philadelphia 76ers uniform. Yeah, no, no, I agree with everything that you're saying there. The only thing that I have said in the past and will continue to say, if they do move Ben, this just sets you know a tough precedent for the league going forward, a tough precedent for ownership and uh, management going forward. Because if Ben is able to get moved this quickly into that extension, it's just going to set the precedent for these other guys that as soon as they sign that rookie extension or as soon as they have, you know, have entered a restricted free agency and re-up, then they're going to be able to force themselves out of wherever they are. We know that once something happens, just like the league took off with players taking things into their hands when LeBron did his thing from a free agency standpoint. And then we start to see the trend of, you know, players forcing their way out of certain situations. This is going to be another trend that you'll have these young guys when they feel like they aren't in a situation that they like, they'll try to force their way out quicker than typically. So that that's kind of the only thing on that. And so I, I think also too, we can't uh, dismiss probably the, some of the pressure that's going on behind the scenes as well. And the fact that you still, you may not be getting great deals or great opportunities out there um, because teams are recognizing what this can do for the league going forward, but then knowing that Philly's back is up against the wall as well. So mm, it is kind of in a tough spot. Yeah. And, you know, just to piggyback off of that, I think that you did a great transition because when I think of younger guys that may uh, continue this trend of trying to push their way out, push their way out like you mentioned is Zion Williamson we're seeing a, a classic case of that we're seeing a, um it's getting worse and worse Zion can't stay healthy and he hasn't proven to stay healthy throughout the course of the year but he throughout the course of his career so far and ironically Ben was the same way now Ben once he got over that injury hump he's been better but I Zion I mean you haven't played a complete season your whole career yet but yet you're still making it through the media cycle that you don't want to be in New Orleans. You come in. I mean, it's rumors that he's overweight. I don't. I haven't seen that. I don't know if that's true. Um, but they, they, yeah, they're saying that he's out of shape. You know, and I'm like, it's your third year. You should be focused on getting better as a player. You know, more so than trying to push your way out of a situation because you can find yourself in a situation where you're overweight and you're not able to lose the weight, nor are you on the floor enough. Because there are things, no matter how talented you are, if you the more you're sitting on the bench, it's not helpful. If the all-time great LeBron James, who played 20 seasons, said that it's important for me to get reps in a game, and, and then you look at Zion, who's early in his career, not getting the reps. I mean, I see it as a trend. It's unhealthy as a league, and I, I believe in, in the player having the right to take control of their career. But in a in a position as Zion is, I feel like it's just too young to be trying to pull something like that in this arrogance. No, I, I agree with you on that. I think that honestly, when you're the number one pick, you should expect to come into a bad situation. Like it just is what it is. Like there's a reason that that team is up there to have the number one pick. So, you know, if you're talking seven, eight years down the line where you put your time in, then I understand that definitely yeah. move on. But for something like this, you should be in, you know, a, a tough situation, a tumultuous situation, you know, not the greatest thing. You should be looking to work, to build, and, and they have still a, a decent enough of a core there that if Zion is being who he needs to be, we know what Brandon Ingram is, 
We know what Valanchunas is over there. We even have seen what Devontae Graham has been, you know, within his career. And even um, Nikhil uh, Alexander-Walker or whatever. Like, we're seeing that there are some pieces for Zion to work with. And so I just, I don't like the feel of it all. And then when I see a guy who was drafted one pick behind him, who to me has the complete different mindset and has that mindset, like he putting everything on his shoulders and I'm that guy and I'm about to will us to the next level, it's kind of hard to kind of stomach that. So we'll see how it progresses, but I'm not the biggest fan of how things are progressing early off right now. So real quick question. Do you think that is Zion himself? Because he doesn't really speak much. Or do you think it's the people around him, his family, maybe his agent, or maybe it is him? <laughs> I, I think it's a combination. Uh, I think it is people in his circle, people around him. And I think that when that happens enough, then it just, it starts to get into you as well. And then you start to have those thoughts and those beliefs. So I think it's it's all of the above, honestly. Yeah, poor, poor, poor Zion. I mean, he, I mean, you have a world of plethora of talent. And then who's to say that even, you know, you pull MT, you had, there's, there's rumors about the operation that you had that you took, maybe, maybe had late that that's causing you to miss some time. It's sad. I mean, I hate to see that. And, you know, Zion, you know, he seemed like a pretty good guy, but it's like Ben, Ben don't really too much. He don't really say much, but you're looking at his action. You're like, man, that dude, you know, he got AB syndrome a little bit. Now, I will <laughs> but, say to me just quickly, I will say to me, Ben is worse than Zion. I, I, I will say that in just my quick. You say Ben is worse than Zion? Yeah. In my quick take. But. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. So, I mean, I think we've done it again uh, in wrapping up. I think we wrapped up that first week. I don't think in the NBA. Um, I think that uh, the Chicago Bulls, like we pre- like we kind of predicted in our preview uh, episode, they are looking good. They're hitting on all cylinders. Uh, they're building something special there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think they're very impressive. And those Golden State Warriors. <laughs> and maybe we can stop right there and we can end it right there. I mean, how good are they, man? And they, Clay is coming back. That's the scary part. Clay is coming back. We're still playing the way he is. Clay is coming back. Yeah. Clay's coming back. They're going to get Wiseman back in the fold. You know, if he can be the Wiseman that we saw to start the season, uh, that's going to be dangerous. So they're going to be right there in contention. Um, right now, they are who I have playing the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. So, mm. yeah. Wow. You got any thoughts on that, Lewis? No, nah, I don't. I think, I think again, I think they're going to be a good team, probably one of the top five teams in the playoffs. That's crazy, man. The Warriors are back. But back. here we go. We got plenty of episodes. This is the 100th one. This is the 100th one, but we have plenty more episodes to cover the NBA. We're in the, hit, we're in the heat and thick of things. Uh, we hope that you enjoy listening. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for keeping us going to make it to 100 episodes. We appreciate all the love and support we have been receiving. As I always like to say, make sure that you have subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and make sure that you're following us on all social media platforms, mainly IG and, and Twitter, O underscore Benchwarmers. And make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast, most importantly. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you are still on Facebook, just search Opinionated Benchwarmers. Me and the fellas are going to get out of here. Do y'all have anything else to say on this 100th episode? This is a major accomplishment. Yeah, just saying once again, like you already mentioned, we appreciate the listeners, man. And we do it for y'all. All the work that we put in, we put it in for y'all. Everything we do from a social media aspect is for y'all. So we appreciate y'all. Keep rocking with us. Keep sharing the content. Let other people know about us. We appreciate y'all, man. And like I like to say, Thank y'all for keeping it like this episode. That's 100. We out of here. We out of here, man.